Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button today to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and your emotions. I am doing a deeper dive into crucial conversations, and I was reminded today of how quickly our emotions can hijack our ability to remain objective and centered in conversations. What happens when we are in conversation and our emotions crash the party is we literally disconnect ourselves from what we really want in a conversation. The way this looks is like this. You really want to have a desired outcome with your team to cut the budget. And someone pushes back in the meeting. So you're not getting the buy-in of everyone like you want. And you instantly start to feel the emotions hijacking you in the meeting. Someone questions uh, the importance of cutting back the budget. And that stirs you up inside. And you feel the emotions go from dormant to live. And they start to spill out over your face and into your body. And this is where the help of the Holy Spirit, activating the fruits of the Spirit within us, basically having a wakefulness of when we start to lose it emotionally and creating a gap between our choice of response to whatever's going on outside of us that's triggering us and the behavior that will follow that particular trigger. When we separate ourselves from our emotions in terms of allowing them to be what they are, but not giving them authority over our behavior, and remembering that Jesus has authority in our life, and we have both power and authority in Jesus when our emotions are strong to lean into the fruits of the spirit of self-control love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is the caboose to all of the other fruits of the spirit. Without self-control, we can't love well. Without self-control, our joy will rise and fall depending upon what's happening outside of us rather than simply on fellowship with the lover of our soul throughout our day. So self-control is that key element that allows us in a crucial conversation to remember what we want. And this is just kind of a little pre-topic lesson here on when you do have a crucial conversation that needs to be had, meaning that the emotions are high, the stakes are high, and you have opposing viewpoints, then you ask yourself the next step is simply to get clarity around what do I want out of this conversation? If you don't have that clarity, it's easy to go down the rabbit holes. You start talking about other topics that have nothing to do with what you really want out of this conversation. So going back to our example, you want to cut the budget and you're getting pushback from one particular individual in the team meeting that questions you in terms of your own spending. And you you realize that you have actually been overspending yourself, and yet it's an embarrassing moment to be called out on this. So you feel the emotions going 
from dormant to live. And then you also remember, well, wait a minute. What do I want from this conversation? I want to get the buy-in from the team. If I allow my emotions to hijack me in this moment and don't utilize this conversation well, then there's no way I'm going to walk out of here with my focus fulfilled. I want to cut the budget. So you take a deep breath, you pause, you invite the Holy Spirit to help you lean back into the peace of God and for his blessing on what you feel moved to go for in this particular conversation. I want to cut the budget because I've discerned in prayer that this is the best thing to do moving forward. So you use this as an opportunity to be accountable and to take ownership for the spending that you have been doing. And then you can guide the conversation in a calm, confident manner, being led by the Holy Spirit rather than your emotions. So the invitation today in terms of emotional intelligence in Christ is to keep watch. Stay awake, my friends, because those emotions literally rob us of the ability to outshine the darkness, to make God recognizable. And to be Jesus to people that are dealing with their own traumas and difficulties in life. We miss the opportunity to be a city set on a hill when our emotions are fueling negative behavior. So take back that power and give it to the Holy Spirit to multiply it and to allow the authority of God within you to help you override those strong emotions that lead to negative behaviors that will hijack you from you what you really want in a conversation. So summing this up, and this is again taking taking um, kind of a, a little side detour in the area of a crucial conversation, because there's a lot of them out there today. So I felt that it would be helpful to just kind of do a, a quick snapshot of a case study that you can use to apply to your own life Watch your emotions going out there. Be aware of before you have a conversation, you have to have a conversation, want to have a conversation with someone or a group of people where the emotions are high, where there's opposing opinions and the stakes are high. Know what you want first and foremost, and be aware of two little slippery serpents, silence or violence. When you don't get your way or you don't think people are buying into what you're putting down, picking up what you're putting down, what often happens to our emotions is we get we get tossed into one of these two buckets. We become silent, we retreat, we implode. Often we judge ourselves for not speaking up or the other person for uh, coming at us with strong emotions. We either take the road of silence or violence. Violence comes across as very, very strong language, often ugly in nature toward ourselves and other people. So come back to the Holy Spirit, who is our guide, our virtual assistant and beyond of our emotions to help us to be able to manage them well, as Jesus did. The definition of emotional intelligence in Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Literally, it's an empowering moment of the Holy Spirit within you. In order to be able to 
access that, it's essential that we pause when we feel the strong emotion. And it happens so quickly that we get hijacked and the behavior spills out just as quickly. And then we have shame and regret. Satan loves to play around in that area. Emotional intelligence in Christ is our victory and allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us with the ability to discern and manage our emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God by loving others well as Jesus did, which is the definition of emotional intelligence in Christ. And it's an equipping of the Holy Spirit, a leaning into the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned last podcast, I'm doing a deeper dive into the study of Acts currently. And I'm amazed. I'm literally reading through and highlighting every single time the the Holy Spirit prompted, moved, showed up in the form of either an angel, the presence of Christ, Jesus spoke. The Holy Spirit is very active and is still very active today. It reminds me of a story someone told me in college way back when. We have access to an unlimited supply of help, particularly in the areas of our emotions and our emotional intelligence. Unlimited, and and the analogy that was used and shared with me back in college was consider a bank account that, that just was like an open account and just had millions and millions of dollars in it, more than you could ever spend in a lifetime, and multi, multi millions of dollars in it. And you're only taking out a dollar a day. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. We have an unlimited resource within us. And yet we are only taking out a small amount every day. So increase your awareness of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you on your path today so that you can, so that you can honor God by discerning and managing your emotions and behavior in a way that allows you to love better. That's Jesus' greatest command. A new command I give you, the greatest command I give you. Jesus mentioned it many times. Love each other. Love one another deeply. So in even in the midst of disagreement, in the midst of misunderstandings, confusion, the Holy Spirit is constantly after bringing us back to that clarity of focus. You are loved by God, and he has a purpose for you on this earth. And he desires to use your face. As I've mentioned before, one time I was in prayer and I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, after I was done with prayer, I said, is there Anything that I can do today, what would that be to glorify God? And I literally heard back in an instant, remind your face that God adores you. It's a billboard. And it shows our emotions. So fear not when if you have a crucial conversation to be had. Pray for discernment. Get clarity around what you want to walk away with. And don't get sidetracked or hijacked. In crucial conversations, they call it the fool's choice, where you actually get hijacked by another topic and allow your emotions to direct you in a different direction other than what you really wanted out of that conversation. 
So come on back, my friends. Come back to the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So as you go out into earth school this week, be aware of your emotions. Know what triggers you and practice that pause before even having crucial conversations because it's usually a conversation that triggers the emotions just saying <laughs> or something you see or read limit limit the things that you see and read that aren't good right true beautiful excellent and praiseworthy by the way that is instruction from saint paul and focus on those things that are good right true beautiful excellent and praiseworthy and that's a practice that's an art more today than yesterday, because those shiny objects and that noise that distracts us from the still, small whisper of God gets pretty loud out there. So be aware of your emotions. Know what you want when you're having a crucial conversation with someone. Keep those emotions connected to the Holy Spirit so that they don't drive negative behavior. Our topic today, and that was kind of a backwards way in today's podcast, a little bit different than what we usually start out with, yet that was a topic that was on my heart and wanted to kind of share a, um, like I said, a case study to give you some insight and an invitation to keep watch over those emotions because they can hijack the behavior that God desires to use to glorify himself, which is the greatest commandment to love one another. As Jesus has loved us, as God loves you today. So be aware of that. Be aware of when the emotions start to get strong, which is why it's important to have that one statement. This is what I want out of the conversation. Don't lose sight of that. And then come on back. There are different methodologies in crucial conversations to get you back after you feel like you're getting hijacked. One of them is called contrasting. You can state what you don't want to do and then couple it with what you do want to do. When you notice that somebody's emotions are getting strong based by what you're saying, hey, I don't want to upset you. I appreciate this relationship. Do you think it's possible to have this conversation and still keep our relationship intact? Because I really value it. And this is a very important topic that I care enough about our relationship that I want to bring up. You can be 100% honest, 100% respectful. Try it out this week with the help of the Holy Spirit as you go out there into earth school. Pretty confident you'll have incredible intel when it comes to this topic, being that it seems to be uh, at a height these days, at a very high level these days. We're going to have a little conversation around your purpose today. The notes for today in terms of the, the actual scriptures and a one sheet to capture today's topic can be found at edgegodin.com, as I mentioned, and you can download that one sheet. It takes you through five steps that are very intentional in that they guide you into the best way to learn and be able to retain and apply new information. So feel free to explore that one sheet 
Many people will take a topic on Edge Got In or a few topics, use it as a small group Bible study, printing out that one page and then coming together to talk about the discussion um, based on your learnings, your biggest takeaways, what you want to do more of, what you want to do less of. And you can find that at edgegotin.com. Emotional intelligence in Christ, emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com gives you more information and resources there. If you're curious about upping your game in emotional intelligence in Christ. Here you have a purpose. You have a purpose here on earth. And you're here on purpose. We're going to have a little conversation on today's podcast around that, pulling from Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 3. You can actually read through Joshua chapter 3 through 7. There's a lot of great information there. If you have your Bibles, please open up to that, and you can get a little highlighter and mark some of these scriptures out. Chapter 3 through 7, chapter 1 in the book of Joshua. It's a very powerful book as well as in the in the scriptures as well as the message that's contained here if you probably come across if you're spent a lot of time in the scriptures um the the famous verse from joshua that is uh joshua 1 9 be strong and courageous do not be terrified or discouraged for the lord your god goes with you wherever you go so let's apply that to those difficult conversations in life that Sometimes we don't even realize we're going to have one until 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 we're in it. So keep that in mind that you can be strong and courageous and not terrified when people start coming at you, right? You can take back that power that we give to people's opinions. We can stop Q-tipping it, quit taking it personally by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. As the Holy Spirit reminds us whose we are, we are created in the image and likeness of God. All things are possible with us. As we remain in the vine, truly, truly attached as a branch and remain in the vine. In all things, in all ways, Jesus can give us the grace to plant seeds that glorify God, even in the midst of our strong emotions. So let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, sweet Jesus, give us victory over our emotions because they get so dominant within our earth suit. They rob us of the ability to be your ambassadors in a beautiful way, to make you recognizable. They lead to judgments of ourselves and other people. They lead to accusations and ugly behavior, stonewalling, defensive behavior that don't make you recognizable. So give us victory, Lord. Help us to remember that... Um, we're here for you. We're here on purpose. We're here for your purpose. Help us not to forget that. Oftentimes our emotions hijack us when we think it's all about us. And it's not. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So give us the grace of humility to think of ourselves less today so that we would allow our mind to be controlled by the Spirit and experience life and peace. You remind us that we will stay in perfect peace when we trust in you. So give us the grace to trust in you more today than yesterday. 
In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Jumping in here to the topic, you're here on purpose, for God's purpose. Joshua 1, just to give you kind of a context of this, Joshua took over after Moses. So this is the transition, and God's kind of laying it out here. And this this actually came from a beautiful uh, short homily that I heard this past weekend from a pastor that I thought, hmm, this is definitely worth putting out there because we forget that we're here for God's purposes many times, at least I do. Perhaps you do as well. You, you Sometimes you fumble about trying to figure out, why am I here? What's the purpose of this? And this is just a reminder that, that God, God has plans for you, as he did for Moses, as he did for Joshua. He has plans for you. And he also is very personal in his nature. As he was with Moses, God communicated with Moses. What's interesting in Exodus chapter three, if you're not familiar with the story of Moses, it's in the book of Exodus. It's a beautiful encounter that Moses has with God in a burning bush. What's interesting about that encounter is that Moses saw the burning bush and God didn't start to speak to him until he took a step toward it. What does this tell us? The curiosity about God Lord, I don't, I don't really know what's going on here, but I'm very curious as to how you're going to guide me. And you take a step closer to God by doing that. So when you're unsure about what to do or where to go or why you're here around your purpose, take a step closer as Moses did. Draw near to God and he will draw near to, to you. And he's doing this to Joshua. In Joshua chapter one, it's, it begins with, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's aide. So Joshua had been mentored by Moses. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give you, to give to you, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert, from Lebanon, to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west, no one will, able, will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So perhaps this is one of the scriptures you'd like to store in your heart. I often start out the podcast asking you to think of three things that the Holy Spirit is making come alive within you. Because the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces heart, soul, and marrow. It makes us come alive, the parts that are dead within us. Be attentive, my friends. And perhaps this scripture is for you. No one will able, be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, what's interesting in the first nine verses in the book of Joshua, chapter one, that there is a command, an invitation. I look at it as a command that sets us free 
free from fear or feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Three times in the first nine verses of Joshua chapter one, it says, be strong and courageous. So chapter one, verse six, it goes on to say, after saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. It goes on to say, the word of God, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Then it says it again, next verse, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my Mos that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. There's also another beautiful verse that I read, and I don't remember exactly where it was because it was kind of like on the go. Those who meditate on the, the word of God day and night, be careful to meditate on it. There are many verses around that meditating, storing the word of God in your heart. It's very powerful. It's what Jesus used in Luke chapter four to defend himself against Satan's attacks. Let's do the same, my friends. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then, so why do we meditate on the word of God? Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Again, third time, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. God is setting up Joshua here in his purpose. The key piece for us to remember here is that just as God, he, he, he reaffirms Joshua, today I will, be in, I, will be, I will be with you. I'm going to be with you, and you're going to be guiding the people. You're going to continue the mission on that, that I was leading Moses with. Key thing here is that God is with you right where you're at, and he has a purpose for you. There is no one like you. No one like you. And there is a job for you to do. There is no accident. Mother Teresa was huge on this. And many times we're looking for the big thing, right? I just want to jump into the big thing that you have for me. When it's in the little things that prepare us for the big thing. Being submissive. Doing everything with excellence. Being a man and woman of good reputation being well-versed and vested, meaning you're willing to go in any direction that you want to go, that, I mean, that God wants you to go. Being invested in his word, covered by his grace, so that you are equipped for the seat. And that's the acronym SERVICE. There was another podcast done on this acronym from Pastor Mike Todd. It's a powerful acronym, SERVICE. Be submitted do everything with excellence, be a man or woman of good reputation, the R, be vested, be able to clean a toilet. If God wants you to, to clean a toilet, teaching you humility or speaking to thousands of people, be vested, be willing to go wherever God wants you to go, be invested, whether or not it's cleaning a toilet or speaking to thousands of people or whatever it is where God has you, do it with excellence. 
be a person of good reputation, be vested, be invested, be covered by his grace so that you are equipped for the seat. That's the end, that's the end game. That's the big thing. He's preparing you to do his work, which is always mighty. Whether it's a very small act that you don't really give much credit to, it's very mighty in God's eyes. Don't undermine those little random acts of kindness. They go viral in the heavenly realms. So just as God was with Moses, all the aid and everything, and everything that I did for Moses applies to you today, Joshua, and you, listener. It applies to you. As I was with them, I am with you. And, and, and then when we move forward to chapter three, three through seven, really, this is where he gets into the affirmation. So turning to chapter three, God is affirming Joshua. He's basically saying in front of his, his friends, he's, he's making him, uh, making it known that, hey, Joshua is the one that's leading you forward, and, and I'm going to affirm you by, by doing my mighty work through you as I did with Moses. If you remember with Moses, if you're familiar with the story, if not, check it out. It's an awesome one, the book of Exodus, particularly starting at chapter 3, that God delivers his people through Moses, who pushed back, by the way, and said, can you send someone else? So perhaps you're in a situation today where God's calling you to do something, but you think it's too big. And just emotionally, you're drained, you're not feeling up for it, and yet you feel God calling you. He also provides. Whatever he calls you to, he will provide. He provided Aaron. Moses said, I, I, I really have kind of a, a speech issue going on here. And so God patiently, as you read through Exodus chapter 3, you'll see he's very emotionally intelligent. He is emotional intelligence. He just keeps coming back. Don't worry about it. Aaron's on your way. I know you need third-party validation because you're more of a C on the disc, logic-driven. So I'm going to give that to you as well with your father-in-law. He meets us where we're at, my friends. And he loves us enough not to leave us there. So he's doing this for Joshua because Joshua's, Joshua's response is like, what the heck? You're calling me? And He's really kind of just trusting God, taking a step at a time, and God God affirms him in chapter three. The Israelites set up, they they set out, they they come to the Jordan River, and in verse fourteen, the people uh, broke camp to cross the Jordan. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant was with them. God was with them, went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage. This is a piece that's important to pause on. The Jordan wasn't just trickling at that time. I live in Colorado and I know when we have the runoff in the spring, cause I like to fly fish and there's, a, there's times I can't even fly fish cause the, the waters are too murky because of how powerful the runoff is and it's dangerous flood warnings. And so this was the case for the Jordan river. And yet, and yet God was sovereign and and when they reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap in a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea. 
was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed to dry ground. This is a powerful image, the water and the step, the step and the water. So what is the water for you that's at flood levels in your life today that you feel is overcoming you? This is God has given us this imagery again and again in these miracles that are recorded in scriptures. Same thing happened when the Egyptians were chasing Moses that he 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 god through moses parted the red sea and they walked through it at the time and he crossed to the other side and so he did it again with the jordan river which was at flood level and he'll do it again for you today so whatever it is have faith even the size of a mustard seed. God, this is a flood level situation in my life. And I invite the power of your Holy Spirit to part these waters so that I can walk through it and not drown. He did this for Joshua. He did this for Moses. He will do this for you. Psalm 139, also in terms of the power of how intimately um, personal God is with you. Psalm 139 is such a beautiful example of this in that it says that our frame was not hidden from him. All the days that have been ordained for us, for you, before they came to be. Talks about how God saw us even before our bodies formed. He knew us, knew us in the womb, loved us, and loves us still today. And our form is not hidden from him. All the days have been ordained. God has a plan for you, a purpose. You're here on purpose because God thought of you and he has a plan for you. The first lesson, three lessons to take away from the readings in Joshua 1, 1 through 6. You can push it out to 7. You'll notice that God is reinstating, uh, continuing his purpose through, through Joshua. And now you're here. I'm here. So he's continuing his purpose through us. So be attentive. First lesson, God has you on this planet, at this place and time for his purposes. You have something to do. Regardless of any other voices coming against you, I don't have any purpose. There's no plan. That is a lie. God has a plan for you and has you in this moment in time for something. So be attentive and ask for it. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So he has works for you. And sometimes it is cleaning the toilet. Sometimes it is making out the grocery list and making a choice. I The other day I was at the grocery store and I, I love sweet potatoes. My husband loves the russet potatoes. I love red apples. My husband loves green apples. So there have been times that I've gone to the grocery store and I just get the sweet potatoes and the red apples. Don't even think about it. And then I come home and my husband will say, oh, you didn't get any green apples or, or russet potatoes. <laughs> and very often 
very often we're thinking about our own needs, not the needs of, of those people around us. So the fact that you even pause and think about the need of someone else around you, you are doing God's mighty work. So ask God, show me what my give back project is today. The purpose that you have planned for me. What do you want me to do today? And help me to do small things with great love and to think about the needs of others better than my own so that we can make God recognizable. You have something to do. Always, always you have something to do. Again, read over Joshua chapter one, leaning into the three times it says, be strong and very courageous. I have plans for you. Prosper to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. It's all throughout the, the scriptures. God has plans for you. God moved Joshua into faith. I don't know what was going through Joshua's mind at that time, and yet he obeyed. So there's that obedience piece that when God is calling you to show up in love and to love the people around you, that's obedience. Sometimes, many times, we act our, our way into to feeling. Don't lead with those feelings, those emotions, because they're squirrely. They rise and fall. They get hijacked. Lead with what you know to be true and be obedient. God calls you to love, to think about the needs of others better than your own. He also calls you to allow his love into your heart, to know that he so loved you that he gave his only son for you, to believe in, to be saved. This is a time to grasp that God is up front, keeping lookout for us moving forward. God was in front of Moses. God was in front of Joshua. He was already there. He's already in front of you in this storm or flood state that is before you. He's already there. So the second lesson, first one is God has you on this planet at this place and time for his purposes. Second lesson here as we read through Joshua's trust. Joshua was trusting God. Looking at the flood level waters, uh, I would venture to guess there was a little self-doubt going on there. So perhaps you're experiencing that today. Cross the river, take the step. Which is what Joshua did, which is what Peter did, by the way, as well. He saw Peter, Jesus coming to him in the water and he said, Lord, I want to walk on water. And Jesus said, well, then come. But in order for, G for Peter to experience what that was like, he had to get out of his boat. He had to let go of the boat and move forward. So what do you need to let go of today in order to trust God more? To be all in for God. God's always going for that character. And he, and he calls us to have courageous obedience, to step into the river, whatever your river is today, before it parts. Moses did it. Peter did it to walk on top of the water. Joshua did it with the Jordan. How did they do that? They kept their eyes fixed on God. As soon as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. So Joshua just kept on focusing on God. So did Moses. And those waters parted. First Thessalonians 5.25 says, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Trust that God will guide you there. 
guide you through and remove the obstacles to get you there. So the first one is to know that God has a purpose for you, a plan right here, right now, today. The second one is, the second lesson is to trust God. The third lesson is to fix your eyes on God. Keep that focus going. Just like we started talking about crucial conversations, when you lose sight of the focus, this is the reason why I'm having this conversation. We get hijacked into the rabbit hole. Well, you did this, or I was upset about this, and then we start talking about something totally different. There's another skill set in crucial conversations called bookmarking. You can simply say, hey, I can see that this is important to you to talk about. After we talk about this, I want to come back to our, our my, my initial topic that I want to have a conversation with you about. So you can bookmark, but just make sure you go back. Or you can say, hey, I, let's talk about this. This seems important to you. And let's finish our, our conversation on this topic first. Joshua was focused on Jesus, focused on God. So was Moses, so was Peter. As I was with Moses, I am with you. Put your trust in God. There are still giants in life. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because this was a topic of conversation. When they were going into the land, they were aware of the giants, these huge men. I was trying to figure out like what they looked like, but they're, they're, they're referred to as, as they're, they're bigger, a lot bigger um, than, than they could ima imagine. In fact, they refer to these giants as if they were grasshoppers. They were as grasshoppers in, in their sight. Um, that's how they actually referred to uh, the the giants at the time. So they were huge people. So metaphorically, when you're thinking about your your rushing Jordan ri River, what are your giants? That's the giant that's in front of you in your life because God's always bigger than the giant. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Third lesson from today's podcast. First one is God has purpose for you. He has, he has you on this planet, in this place, in this time for his purposes. You have something to do. Second lesson is keep on trusting in God. Third one is fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your, your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Knowing that as, as God was with Moses and Joshua and Peter and Paul and all, all of the characters throughout the scriptures, God is with you to help you because you're here now to carry that on that seed of faith. Numbers 1333 refers to the, that self doubt that, that um, in case you're wondering about that scripture about the giants, if you're curious, perhaps you've never heard that before, but the scriptures uh, numbers 1333 can cause self doubt. Um, we can't take the land basically in 1333 because we're as grasshoppers in in their eyes as well as our own eyes. So reframe your self-image. Understand how huge you are in Christ, that you have power and authority over those negative thoughts that hijack you from taking that step into the water and trusting God. Keep God as the focus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. And the things of this world, as that song says, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You want to have an impact? 
It will happen to the extent that you become deeply in love with Jesus and trust him and know that he has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. The Holy Spirit is your, is your, is your guide, your counselor through this. There was a story that was recently shared along with this, the story of Cortez back in 1519 and a group of pilgrims um, set out with 11 ships and about 500 soldiers to do something that, that had never been done. And Cortez actually studied the fact that why hasn't this ever been done before? And he came to the realization that no one was 100% all in. They weren't completely invested in this mission. So Cortez actually sold everything he had, invested everything he had in this mission to get the uh, treasure. And when he landed on this land to get this treasure, it's mentioned that it was for God and for gold. That's another topic. The metaphor that I'd like to make from this story back in 1519 is that perhaps you've heard this, the phrase, burn your ships. He told everybody once they had arrived to burn the ships. I believe it was nine out of 10, maybe it was 11. There's different theories on that. Either way, he told them to burn the ships so there was no going back. So they were all in on the mission. And he took the treasure reclaimed the land for God. At the time, the Aztecs worshipped the god of sun and war. And to appease the gods, they, they offered human sacrifices. There's a point in the story of Cortez where they came across a valley that was filled with skulls. And he kept on going. The interesting part of the story is that he only had an army of people, about 300 against 3 million, who were able to fight against him which reminds me of the story that uh, Gideon, God had asked Gideon to cut, cut his army down to 300 against thousands. The reason why he did that in the scriptures, it says, is I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was my hand that got you through. When the odds are stacked against you, this is the time to take that step of faith and to trust that even if you have a small resource within you, whether it's two loaves, a half a fish, a crumb, and a bite of a fish, throw it into the lap of Jesus because he is in the business of multiplying, my friends, what you do have. And I've shared this before when I was diagnosed with advanced cancer one week prior to my final divorce court date, I didn't have a lot of resources that I was aware of. The one thing I did know is that God loved me and he promised never to leave me or forsake me. I had some dark times. I won't lie about that. And even in the midst of that, the small amount of faith that I was able to toss into the lap of Jesus never left me empty-handed. What God has done for others, he will now do for you and more moving forward as he always does and always has done for his people. 
in Judges 7, 1 through 8, it says, you have too many men for me to deliver the Midian, Midians into your hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. So he cut them down. And oftentimes it's when we come to the end of ourselves that we realize the mighty hand of God. Whether or not it's a crucial conversation, a difficult conversation, surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit within you and get that clear focus and victory over your emotions. Or whether it's something big, big time, bigger than that, either way, it doesn't matter to God because he, he cares about what matters to you and he sees you and he adores you today. So he's all about increasing your faith as well as your awareness of his purposes for you, that you are here on purpose for his purpose. Your earth school practice is to watch those emotions and look at those emotions as that flood state of the river and step into it with God going before you and asking the Holy Spirit to give you that grace to stand firm and allow him to give you the victory. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Sweet Jesus, we just thank you that even though the waters in our lives can be at flood state, a flood stage and overwhelming to us, show us what boats we need to burn. What are the boats that we need to burn in order to be all in for you? Give us that insight, God. Perhaps it's a boat from our past that is just haunting us, and you are calling us to get out of that boat and come to you. So help us to have the wisdom around what boats you're asking us to burn so that we can be all in for you, knowing that you have purposes for us, and we were created for your purpose, by your purpose for the purposes you've prepared in advance for us to step into. Help us take one day at a time, one step at a time, and have confidence that, that those waters will part and you will carry us through. Thank you that you love and adore us. In your most precious name we pray, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Go out and give them heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on. Thank you, my friends. God bless you today. Look forward to our next podcast together. Again, you can visit us at edgegodin.com.